Well, good morning. Welcome to Zion on this second Sunday of Easter. Uh, before we begin our worship, a few things to share with you. First, make sure you check your boxes for your May newsletters. They should be there. Uh, also, you'll notice a note in the bulletin about our grief share group meeting this Wednesday at 6.30, beginning this Wednesday and going through July. Uh, I also, for our grief share group, I put some pamphlets down in the lower narthex. It's a really wonderful ministry. Um, if you know of anyone who's experienced loss or who's going through the grief process or you yourself are, uh, this is really a great ministry and support group for people going through that. Uh, feel free to take one of those brochures, pamphlets, and pass them along to anyone you feel that might benefit from them. Again, I think it's a wonderful ministry, um, and I'm excited that, that Steve has felt led to lead it here, and I think it's going to do a lot of good for our community. Uh, this week also, I'm going to ask you to keep in your prayers Steve's daughter, Nancy. Uh, Nancy just recently received a cancer diagnosis um, and will soon start, of course, a radiation at the University of Michigan. Uh, and so keep, keep her in your prayers, keep her family in your prayers, and, and of course Steve as he supports her through this. Are there other prayer requests or other announcements you have for the congregation? Yeah, Marcy. I just want to thank everyone that prayed for Marcy. Yeah. She's doing good. Yeah, good. All right, I will invite you to take a moment and quiet your hearts and quiet your minds as we prepare to worship and listen to the prelude.
congregation, I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captives to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by all we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Lord Glory to God in the highest and peace to God's people on earth. God of life, you reach out to us amid our fears with the wounded hands of your risen Son. By your Spirit's breath, revive our faith in your mercy and strengthen us to be the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from Acts. When they had brought the apostles, they had them stand before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet here you have fulfilled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter answered the apostles, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up by Jesus whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior, that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We will intone Psalm 118, verses 14 through 29.
reading from Revelation. John said to the seven churches that are in Asia, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves and freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us to be a kingdom, priests serving God and his Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his account, all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty, the word of the Lord. According to St. John. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it on my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Christ. I invite you to be seated. Children, I invite you to come forward. All right, I'm going to give you an Easter egg, but you can't open it, okay? Got it? All right. Here we go. Uh, what's in that egg? You don't know, right? You can't see what's in the egg, right? So you can't know. Maybe you probably have some guesses of what could be in there. 
right? It's not an elephant. An elephant can't fit in an egg, right? So you probably know what typically goes in Easter eggs, right? If I tell you in each of your eggs there's money, would you believe me? You don't believe me? <laughs> Grant says maybe. You don't believe me? All right, so I'm telling you, there is money in each of your eggs. If I tell you that, do you believe me? You still don't believe me? <laughs> so you're telling me, someone who's preaching in this church in front of this whole congregation, I'm going to lie to you? Wow. <laughs> All right. So there's money in there. Alice, do you believe me? See, Alice believes me. Uh, there's money in there. Clementine, do you believe me? Uh, my own children are betraying me. All right. So here's my point. I'm telling you there's money in that egg. Right? And why should you believe? You can't see it can you? So you don't know with your own eyes. You can't really see it. If you shake it, it doesn't sound like anything. Money, you can't smell it. You can't use any of your physical senses to know that I'm telling you the truth. Right? You have to decide for yourself, is my word trustworthy? Is there really money in that egg? Right? Well, in some ways, that's also true of us when we come to faith. Right? There's a story that we get in our gospel. Jesus, the risen Christ, appears to the disciples and they tell Thomas, who wasn't there, and Thomas doesn't believe them. He says, nope, unless I see it, unless I see Christ with my own eyes, I'm not going to believe, I can't do it, I have to see for myself. Right, and so then Jesus appears to him a few days later and then he believes because he sees with his own eyes. But Jesus says to Thomas, you have believed because you've seen. But blessed are those who come to believe even though they don't see. Well, that's all of us, right? All of us have come to believe without seeing. And why? Well, I think we have to come to a place where we know that God's word is trustworthy. When God tells us something, do we believe it? Do we have faith in it? Right? And so all of us come to this time where we decide, is God's word trustworthy for us? And when we come to believe, when we hear God's word, Jesus says, we're blessed. Right? Okay. So, if you don't believe me, go ahead and put your egg back. Oh, Silas doesn't believe me? Oh, let's pray together. Dear Lord, help us to believe even though we don't see and to know we can trust you. All right, when you get back, you can open them and test me out and see if I was telling the truth or not. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Last week, we noticed in the scriptures that not everyone recognized the risen Christ. In fact, those who were closest to the Lord before his death, 
did not know who he was when they first encountered him. And it was not until they were given faith that they began to recognize him. And so in many ways, one way or the other, it becomes a theme throughout all the Gospels that seeing Jesus with your physical eyes does not mean you recognize him. Recognizing Christ comes through the gift of faith. Even to stand in the presence of Jesus does not mean that you understand the gift of who he is for the world. This is also to say that we don't have to see Jesus as in the physical sense to know him and to believe in him. In fact, in our gospel, Jesus says to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. All of us now, of course, are required to know Jesus by faith and not by sight. And so I think when we read scripture, we can see that the world is kind of divided into two. It's divided into those who know Jesus for who he is, and they know him by faith, and those who do not. Now that's not a popular message in many churches anymore because we moderns tend to be uncomfortable with making such a hard dichotomy, right? We like to be a little softer, a little more gray. We don't want the world to be so black and white. We want to be a little more tolerant. We tend to think a softer approach is more compassionate. It's a more loving approach. So we tend to think along the lines of, well, so-and-so is a good person, a kind person, a generous person. They would never hurt anyone, so they must be good in God's eyes. But scripture doesn't really divide people like that. And so the Bible seems to suggest that there are those people who receive Christ and know him by faith and those who do not. And so, for instance, in our reading from Revelation chapter 1 this morning, we see that among people there really is no neutral ground. Instead, the death, resurrection, and the lordship of Christ are considered from two perspectives in our reading. First, how the faithful see the risen Christ, and then secondly, the anguish of those in society who failed to receive Christ by faith. And so when we look at the latter in Revelation 1-7, it says, look, he is coming with the clouds, every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and on his account all the tribes of the earth will wail. There's a consistent theme throughout the New Testament. Everyone, everyone, will see Christ. Some people by faith will know him and walk with him in this lifetime. Others, however, will not see him until the last day when he comes again to judge the living and the dead. But all will come to know Christ in one way or another. Those who have not received the risen Christ by faith, Revelation says, are going to see Christ and wail. They're going to see him in anguish. John writes that even those who pierced him are going to see him and wail. Now, literally, there was only one soldier who pierced Christ upon the cross. And so we understand this figuratively. And so we understand that this comes to mean a kind of careless indifference to Jesus that's typified in the act of piercing. In other words, we as sinners, when we as sinners reject God's grace, when we make ourselves to be our own saviors, when we try to find saviors in this world that are not Christ, we are piercing him. And this is a basic theme throughout the whole book of Revelation. 
The fact that Christ is Lord and is now reigning as Lord, as the risen Lord, over all of creation, does not sound like good news to unrepentant sinners. In fact, Revelation portrays it as terrifying news to sinners. And it can be terrifying because it challenges the sinner who believes that he's really the Lord of his own life. And that by his own power, he has some control in this world. In the Roman Empire, the early Christians would have no doubt heard this as a criticism of Caesar. Right? If Christ is Lord, if Christ is reigning over all, if Christ is risen from the dead, then it means that Caesar is not the true Lord. If Christ is the true Son of God, then Caesar is not. Caesar might think he is the most powerful and influential voice in the empire, but he's not. And that, of course, extends all the way down to any politician or any leader who believes that they are in some way in control. And that's a convicting law for such leaders, because if they're using their power to do harm to God's people and God's creation, then seeing the risen Christ ought to be terrifying to them. In that moment, when they do see that Christ really is Lord of all, it will be obvious that they never really had the power that they thought they did. You might remember from the news in about 2003 when Saddam Hussein was captured and arrested. I don't know if you remember the images. But he was found kind of disheveled. He was hidden in a hole in the ground. And at that moment, he seemed so weak and so pathetic. The man who had spent decades intimidating others, terrifying opposition, had now been reduced to very, very little. And in that moment, it was evident that he no longer had any real power in this world. And that's the kind of moment that Revelation 1 points us to. There is coming a day when the risen Christ will be visible to everyone. And everyone will be brought to justice. But that was good news to the Christians who first read Revelation. These were people who were harassed and persecuted for their faith. John himself, writing this book, was writing in exile. Early Christians had no idea if they and their families would be arrested from one day to the next. And so the promise that the risen Christ was going to reveal himself to everyone, even those who failed to see him by faith, was good news. It meant that they would be vindicated, and the true powers of this world, the powers of goodness and peace and grace, were going to prevail. And so the risen Lord himself casts judgment on those who do not serve him. When unrepentant sinners put themselves above Christ, they stand in his judgment. They stand in his judgment because the risen Christ is not good news to them. They don't want Christ to be Lord over all. They want to live life their own way. They want to be the Lord of themselves, the Lord over others. If Christ is Lord, that means they're not. They only see their submission to Christ the King as a threat to their own sinful flesh that they so dearly hold on to. And so they're unable to say with Thomas, my Lord and my God. They're unable to say this to Christ because they want so badly to be their own Lord and their own God. Seeing the risen Christ then becomes a reason to weep and not rejoice for them. But scripture tells us that there are those now who see the risen Christ by faith and who now submit to him and who now walk with him. In fact, Revelation tells us that 
when these people who have faith see the risen Christ with their eyes, they're going to rejoice. These are the ones who, upon seeing Christ like St. Peter or Thomas or Mary Magdalene, will weep with joy and hold on to him and worship him, because for them, there is no greater news in the world that Christ, than Christ is risen. And so first, we want to be careful when we make this kind of contrast between those who have faith and those who do not. And so first, to be sure, I'm not saying that those who have faith and who know the risen Christ have all the answers. I'm not saying that for those who have faith, all mysteries are solved. I'm not saying there are never questions. But faith is receiving the mystery and trusting that Christ is, in fact, good news for us. It does not make us superior intellectually or morally. It simply means a willingness to acknowledge that we are sinners and we are mortals who cannot save ourselves. And it means trusting that God, through Christ, wants to save us. This is exactly the faith that Thomas comes to upon seeing Christ. He cannot explain how Jesus is there in front of him. There's no intellectual argument that persuaded him. No, in that moment, he knew that his Lord stood before them once he saw him, and he trusted that Christ was there for his good, and this was good news. This faith was a gift to Thomas. He didn't come to it on his own. He came to it because Christ came to him. And so with our faith, we don't come to it because we're better than those who don't believe. We don't come to it because we're smarter, we're intellectually superior, or we're wiser, morally better. We come to this faith of knowing Christ because the Holy Spirit has changed our hearts. The risen Christ, then, is good news for those who believe it. For those who have been given faith by the Holy Spirit, they want to hear this news of the risen Christ. The good news of the risen Christ is made apparent in Revelation 1.5, when the faithful give three titles to Christ. They call him the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. In other words, they're confessing that there's no person, no power in this world greater than Christ. His death, his resurrection, his ascension have proven this for all believers. And because Jesus is these three things, John tells us that there are three things Christ does for those who receive him by faith. Christ loves us. Christ frees us from our sins by his blood. And Christ makes us a kingdom of priests. In other words, Christ wants good for us. He wants our hearts free to serve him. And he wants to give us identities to be connected to God now and forever. That's remarkable because all the forces and all the powers that work against God in this world want to do the exact opposite. They want us to be slaves. They want us to have false identities that are distant from God. They want us to believe lies. But that is not who Christ is for us. Rather, Christ is the king who has assured for our freedom, for our life, that he is for us. We know Jesus, we know the risen Lord, only when we know the one who has died to purchase us. We will begin to know Jesus when our hearts learn to trust in that very message. 
In the message, as the Catechism puts it, that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from all eternity, has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, has purchased and won me from all sins, from death, from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood. From our reading and revelation this morning, we see that the resurrection of Christ may or may not be good news to those who hear it. But the important question is, is the resurrection good news to you? Do you want Christ to be Lord of all? Do you want Jesus to free you from sin? Do you want Jesus to give you a new identity in his kingdom? If so, then the gospel tells us that by faith, by trusting in him, you will know him. And when you trust that Christ has been raised for you and for your benefit, then blessed are you, for you have come to believe, although you have not seen. Amen.
I invite you now to stand as we confess our faith together using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now let us pray for the church, the world, and for all people according to their need. Glorious Lord, you have worked the salvation of the world through the death and resurrection of your Son. Give strength to our praise and let our hearts and mouths be filled with the joy of your wondrous works. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our Lord God Almighty, you stoke the fires of your churches as lights in the darkness of this world. As we gather in the Spirit on this Lord's Day, comfort and embolden your holy ones to serve in your presence and to cherish the words you have given to your churches. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our Heavenly Father, your Son visited disciples hiding away for fear of the Jews, as well as John when he was exiled by the Romans to Patmos. Sustain all your disciples in the throes of persecution, especially those in Nigeria, India, China, Iran, North Korea. Visit them with your Easter gospel and give them their portion in the resurrection unto life everlasting. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God of hosts, you have added believers to the Lord in all times and places, from those receptive and hostile alike. Shepherd the nations and bless our President Joseph and our Governor Richard Michael and bring all peoples to embrace the gospel of the resurrected Christ. Curb wicked rulers and break their power, that all would be brought to the feet of Jesus and worship. Lord, in your mercy. O great physician, even the shadows of your apostles brought healing to the afflicted people of Jerusalem. As we rest under the shadow of your wings, heal your afflicted servants, especially Denny, Dick, Steve, Nancy, Kelly, Becky, Ray, Marilyn, Landon, Mike, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, Nancy, and Melissa. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Receive our praise for the lives of the saints who faithfully served you and died in the hope of the resurrection. Keep us, keep us in fellowship with them and bring us to our own joyful resurrection and the grand reunion of all your saints prepared for us in the marriage supper of the Lamb. Lord, in your mercy. We implore you, O Lord, to sanctify and keep this and all congregations united in truth. Your word is truth and preserve us from false teaching. Bring us to repentance for every place where love has faltered. Grant us and our children bold and steadfast hearts to remain faithful to this confession, 
suffering all rather than to fall away from it and unite us with all Christians in true confession of Christ in whom the world has redemption and the forgiveness of sins. To you alone be all glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And now gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Amen.
peace. Serve the Lord.